You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. This is a special and exciting day for the University of Nebraska, and uh, especially for me because I have the honor and privilege to introduce the 28th head coach of Husker basketball, Fred Hoiber. First of all, I, I, I want to thank Bill. I want to thank Chancellor Green and, and President Bounds for this wonderful opportunity. Uh, it's, actually, it's a very emotional day uh, for me, for my family, a lot of who are sitting over here uh, this afternoon. And we have great ties to this state. We have great ties to this university. Uh, I did talk to some other schools. You know, I don't know when MBA possibilities are going to open up, but when I did look at it, uh, I didn't see something that really excited me. You know, again, we talked a lot about this. We debated this. We just came to this final decision about four days ago that we were actually going to do this. Uh, contrary to the rumors that were out there that this thing's been done for a while, it hasn't. You know, one thing my wife and I talked about is we want this to be our last stop. We're excited about this. Again, a lot of it's because of our family history here, but maybe as important are the facilities and the resources that we have uh, in the fan support. It's going to be second to none, and we feel that we can build uh, a program that, that consistently wins. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washette, the Fred Hoiberg era officially underway here at Nebraska as he was announced on Tuesday uh, during um, – one of the more unique news conferences we've seen at Nebraska. He had cheerleaders added. I mean, former players back from uh, the era were, that played for Jerry Bush, Fred Hoiberg's grandfather, uh, tons of members of the Hoiberg family. And, Robin, as you look at everything that came out of the room, um, I, I think we knew Hoiberg had deep ties to the state, but I thought that was one of my biggest takeaways as he was announced at Nebraska. He was introducing all of his family members and – you know, this is my uncle from Clearwater and my brother in Omaha and da 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 da. I mean, it's amazing how deep his ties and connections run to Nebraska. And there's no question that played a huge factor, I believe, in this decision process. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that was uh, a much bigger factor than um, I think people even realized. You know, obviously, everybody knew his grandpa was the coach here. You know, he knew he was born in Lincoln. Uh, and so, I've, you know, there's some. Ones we all knew about, but the extent of those connections to the University of Nebraska, to Nebraska basketball, and to the state, uh, I mean, are deeper than certainly I ever knew, and I'm sure most people uh, ever realized. When you saw that group of, you know, just going down the list, pointing to everybody in the crowd and the, the reserve family section. One after another, there was someone that that had a deep connection. I mean, his uh, niece was here. Yeah, the, did you know the niece at all? Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know her. I knew she was around and stuff. At yeah, Nebraska. yeah. She, she works in the, the offices, so she's not around like the practice stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Tim had mentioned that several times that you know she had worked there. So uh, yeah, and so I mean, I, I I got obviously the opportunity here, you know, to coach in the Big Ten, to make uh, very good money doing it, um, and to come to a, a university that has uh, a lot of the resources in place to be successful. I mean, obviously those were big draws, but I think more than anything, uh, the uh, the prospect of coming back to Nebraska, being around so much family and so many connections, uh, and to be able to, as he said, pace the same sideline uh, that his grandpa once did, even if it is completely different ar arenas under completely different circumstances, uh, that was a major draw for Fred, and I think probably one of the biggest selling points that lured him here, as opposed to maybe holding out for some other opportunities that I'm sure would come up down the road. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show, Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as we discuss Nebraska's hiring of Fred Hoiberg. And Robin, I look at this as it took seven, eight solid years to get to this point for Nebraska athletics. They built the Hendricks Training Center, um, giving them one of the top off-campus 
practice facilities in the country. They got Pinnacle Arena built, which now Nebraska ranks 11th nationally in attendance uh, with about 15,500 per game. Tickets were sold out this past season. Uh, They are now fully vested as a member of the Big Ten Conference. They receive $50 million plus a year uh, from the annual television rights, along with now more money than ever from Adidas and other partners. Um, So everything now has lined up between the arena, the practice facility, the revenue streams coming in where Nebraska could get a Fred Hoiberg, where, you know, we've been around Nebraska basketball a long time. They just wouldn't have been able to get get a guy like this five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. Yeah, and so obviously you got to credit the commitment Nebraska's athletics department has made uh, over the past seven years, but uh, you also got to give credit to Tim Miles. Uh, the, the program, what it was when he took over in 2012 compared to where he left it when he was fired uh, is not even the same program. Uh, it is different in so many levels, and a lot of that had to do with not only uh, you know, the resources he had at his, his disposal, but his ability to kind of reshape the, the, the talent level and kind of what the, the perceived look of Nebraska basketball can be. I mean, he got f- numerous four-star recruits. He got their first-ever five-star recruit, Isaac Copeland. Uh, and so he elevated kind of the level of talent that Nebraska basketball had ever seen, maybe back to the Danny Knee days, uh, to the point where he is leaving Fred Hoiberg with a significantly better situation than really anyone since maybe Barry Collier had uh, when they're coming in as a first-year coach. So uh, you know, you gotta get. It's kind of a like you said, uh, an all-around encompassing development over the past you know seven years since they finally made that commitment to step up their game as a as a basketball program. Uh, from an athletic department standpoint, and that commitment hasn't wavered to where now, uh, you know, with Bill Moose in charge, uh, they, like he said, they're all in on basketball. They're paying big boy money. They have all the facilities. They're going to continue to renovate those facilities and dump in as many resources as possible, private jet access to the coaches. I mean, it's just things that uh, previous coaches here never got. And so, you know, it's well, like a, Sean Eichorts took away the private jet program yep. where boosters could donate their jets. He wanted Nebraska to exclusively pay for it, which when you're paying for it with state dollars um, or whatever you want to call it, um, you're going to be a little bit more restrictive on how and when jets get used. Mm-hmm. Now you have a booster program in place where um, the almost one million dollars a year Nebraska spends on private aircraft travel or uh, aircraft travel is all, all covered by boosters. So you don't even pay for it anymore. Yeah. And I, of course, for whatever reason, didn't like booster influences around programs. I think Devin Shapiro scared him from his Miami time or something um, because um, he didn't want to use the Jets. Now that they, Moose is like, well, we're bringing this back. It's a no-brainer. So, yeah, there's a lot more um, in place. I do want to ask you real quick here, Robert, about the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot has happened since the Hoiberg hire. Um, I know, you know before Hoiberg got hired, they had two open spots on scholarship. Now there's three. Yeah, so the three open scholarships, obviously, uh, shortly after Hoiberg was announced, or I guess officially introduced, I should say, uh, Thomas Allen announced that he was keeping his name in the transfer portal and would move on to a different uh, university this season. And so that, not totally unexpected, but I think a lot of people thought that, you know, he was going to meet with Fred Hoiberg and understand the opportunity that was available to him if he were to come back. And it would be kind of a no-brainer, but um, obviously Thomas had his mind made up, and I think his mind was made up even before Tim Miles was fired. I mean, obviously he sat out the past like six or seven games, you know, with that ankle injury, and by all accounts, I think you'd make the assumption that he probably could have played if he wanted to. And so, I mean, the writing was on the wall there, uh, and I think going 
closer to his native Raleigh, North Carolina, was a big draw for him. You know, he committed to NC State out of high school over Nebraska and then reopened his recruitment after their head coach got fired and, you know, ended up coming to Nebraska the second time around. So uh, I think he's an East Coast guy. He wants to get closer to his family, and that was probably as much to do with it as anything. But as a result, Nebraska's, you know, currently got three open scholarships for 2019 and potentially one more if Isaiah Roby, uh, you know, depending on what he does. Uh, Obviously, he's going through uh, quite a bit of a a process right now with, you know, debating whether to make a jump to the NBA. Uh, It's interesting how his tone seems to have changed, though, uh, since Fred Hoiberg is kind of starting to get settled in and those conversations have continued. I think he's starting to realize the opportunity that uh, could be, you know, at at his disposal here. With he'd be Fred rolling Weber. the dice if he left right now. Yeah, yeah, but he's, you know, you roll the dice coming back too. So uh, I think what it's going to come down to is the feedback he gets from NBA personnel during this draft prospect. He's going to get a full evaluation, go through the same process that James Palmer and Isaac Copeland did uh, last year, and so he's going to be very informed about what his next step is going to be. And to Fred's Fred's credit, he said that he's going to uh, help him every step of the way, either way. He's going to try and you know tell him all uh, the reasons he should come back. And if he wants to leave, he's going to do everything uh, that he can and utilize his contacts to help Isaiah make that jump as possible. And so I think that's something Isaiah really appreciates, that you know he's not getting pressed one way or the other. Uh, you know, Fred is going to help him through this process every step of the way. And I think that as he learns more, he's going to probably realize that, you know, there's a, a big time opportunity for you here. You're going to be the, the, the alpha dog on a, on a team that's going to be completely revamped in a system that is suited directly for the NBA that has produced players with very, very similar skill sets as draft picks uh, and all conference type players. And so, you know, if he comes back, there's going to be a real chance for him to elevate that draft stock higher than it's ever been. All right, when we come back, we're going to discuss more about the commitment on the staff, how much money Nebraska plans to spend, and uh, some other names to watch uh, for potential staff openings. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The Big Ten money is huge, the most in the country, shared evenly. Got Jim Delaney to thank for that, and that's very important. Our uh, ticket sales, our great fans, is another big piece. You look at uh, our uh, media rights folks and the great contract we have there, our partnership with Adidas. Uh, So we've got tremendous revenue streams coming into our program that I'm comfortable with the blessing of of my chancellor and president to uh, pay top dollar for top coaches. You know, we have a nice budget. We've got to continue to fundraise and We've got facility uh, uh, interests down the road, but in order to maintain success, you got to reinvest in it, and that's what we intend to do. And the consistency and stability of coaches when they're good is important too. And like I said earlier, Nebraska is a destination. That brand means something, and uh, I'm really excited for our future. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa, that was Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose. They call him two for two as uh, he gets Scott Frost and Fred Hoiberg in about 15 months. He joked, um, and he goes, I say this humbly, but I don't know even know what it means to go to the next guy on the list. He's been one of the rare athletic directors in college athletics that has been able to get his top candidate in both a football and a basketball deal. And you know, you got to thank Hank Bounds, first of all, for – uh, making the move 
over close to a year and a half ago to, to bring in Bill Moose to replace Sean Eichhorst because I don't know if any of this is possible without a guy like Moose um, in charge of athletics. But, Robin, I want to start out here on the coaching staff. Bill Moose said that they're going to pay a million dollars uh, for basketball assistance. Um, last year, Nebraska paid 766000 for the three spots. And you know that was still pretty competitive. I mean, it was right in the middle of the conference, higher than a lot of people's pay. Uh, but now Nebraska is one of three teams with salary pools over a million dollars. Ohio State is the number one at 1.02. Michigan State, or excuse me, uh, Michigan is number three at 1.005. Um, so you, you break down kind of the salary pools of how much Nebraska is spending. It's pretty eye-opening that they are going to be one of three teams in the conference. They're paying more than Wisconsin. They're paying more than Iowa, um, Purdue. Michigan State, a number of quote-unquote blue-blood basketball schools. Nebraska's paying more than they are for basketball coaches right now. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to the commitment that this the University of Nebraska is actually making. And uh, we talked about this earlier, that it wasn't just a matter of throwing big bucks at a coach and saying, hey, go go win games. You needed It needed to be from top to bottom. You know, Obviously, you needed the support from the very top. You needed to go get a big-name coach that is a proven winner at the high major level, and you need to give him every resource possible. And by giving a million bucks for your assistant coaching pool, that is every bit the type of support that Fred Hoiberg is going to need to really build this thing uh, into what uh, that vision he and Bill Moose had talked about. And so obviously has one coach in place with Matt Abdelmassi, who came from St. John's, worked with Fred, um, you know, both uh, at Iowa State and even before uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so a long, you know, close uh, relationship there. Um, I think Fred was actually in Matt's wedding. So, I mean, those dudes are about as tight as it gets and uh, was the least surprising development as the staff starts to take shape. Uh, but there's been some other names. Charlie Henry, uh, who was uh, this past season the head coach of the Chicago Bulls G League team, took them their first playoff appearance, uh, was an assistant under Hoiberg in Chicago, um, and then for one season at Iowa State after being their operations guys for a few years. So another you know close relationship. Um, you know, Steve Lutz uh, was another former, uh, you know, Fred Hoiberg assistant, was a coach at Charlotte, um, the university, Charlotte University, and then uh, was also an assistant with the Chicago Bulls G League team. That name's been thrown around. But all these names that are getting thrown around, they're not necessarily assistant coach spots. That's kind of what is to be determined here. Uh, I think that all these names that are rumored to be on staff or, you know, be con- under consideration. Uh, they could be for a variety of different roles. Leadership roles. Yeah, leadership roles or, you know, whether it be new uh, created positions um, that necessarily weren't at staff because with that much more money, you can get creative, kind of like what Scott Frost has done with, you know, some of these new positions with the football staff. I think they're going to allow Fred Hoiberg to do some of those same things. And as we've seen, successful programs have as many bright minds with different ideas as they possibly can uh, to just help the overall flow of the operation and help the guy in charge. And so, uh, you know, just because you hear a name doesn't mean that that is one of your other two full-time assistant coach openings. I think that's still kind of a work in progress. I would imagine that some names would probably surface by the end of the week. I think they're going to have some guys in Lincoln this week uh, to just meet with Hoiberg and probably um, take that next step towards finalizing um, some of those spots. But, uh, you know, I would imagine that, you know, recruiting is going to be a priority. Uh, I imagine someone with, um, you know, proven experience uh, at the high major level with a defensive-minded background is probably going to be a priority uh, because Fred, that's kind of usually what he wants to surround himself 
just given his style. I mean, he's, he's an offensive guy that, um, you know, kind of realizes his you know, shortcomings when it comes to, to defense. And so he wants a, a veteran presence there that can you know, handle the defense and also provide some different ideas when it comes to in-game preparation and uh, scouting and all that stuff. So uh, those are kind of the two qualities I would imagine they're going to be looking for in these next two spots. But um, with Matt Abdelmasi, they have one of the best recruiters in the country, especially when it comes to the transfer market. Uh, so I would expect to see an impact in that regard very, very quickly. In fact, uh, at the press conference, Matt told me that they already expect to have five to six official visitors in town for the spring game. And so uh, work is already well on its way to being done as far as revamping that roster for 2019, 20 and beyond. And uh, I would imagine that this is going to be a completely different looking team uh, in a matter of just a few weeks than what we know it right now. Yeah. To give you an idea on the new commitment, Robin, for Nebraska basketball financially, um, I'm looking on the official UNL um, breakdown of pay for all positions. And so besides the three coaches, you have an assistant director of operations, a director of operations, and a video coordinator, um, and then a graduate um, research assistant, student workers, and additional compensation. The total, including Miles' compensation, was 3.358. Nebraska's paying Hoiberg more than that yeah, alone. They're paying one guy more than the entire coaching. Pool. The whole, the whole <laughs> office, the crazy. whole office made. That's um, crazy. You know, and so if they stick to this model, there's still at least three big boy jobs left to fill besides the three coaches. I mean, you got three coach jobs, you got an assistant director of operations, you got a director of operations and a video coordinator, and then whatever positions they want to create. And it sounds like they could get pretty creative. Yeah. And so again, I think that's the forward thinking you need. You can't just sit there and, uh, you know, expect to just work on the old model. I mean, the the sport is constantly evolving. And again, you just look to the football team and some of the the new ideas they're coming up with. Uh, I think you can draw a lot of parallels with what Scott did in his first couple years to what Fred is going to want to do and the, the, the types of options that are going to be available to him right out of the gate. So uh, I'm very interested to see all these names that are surfacing, what roles exactly they might have. And if there's a spot that uh, we don't even know is there to be filled, ends up happening uh, over the next few weeks. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Um, you know, how soon do you think we could start hearing some of these names? I mean, I know Fred Hoiberg immediately got on the plane to start visiting recruits. Um, do you think, by weekends in, I mean, that, do you think they have five or six guys lined up or do they want to get five or six in for the spring game? I would imagine they have a handful of guys already lined up that um, have been talked to behind the scenes. You know, there was rumors going around that Fred was already re- recruiting uh, even before he took the job. I don't know how true that is, but uh, the fact that they seem to have a pretty specific plan lined up uh, less than 24 hours after his introductory press conference goes to show you that this thing had been kind of in in the works for a while. So uh, the transfer market obviously is so much different than your typical recruiting uh, pool because you're not limited by uh, recruiting periods, the, the NCAA recruiting calendar. Because uh, right now they're in the dead period. Uh, I think there's a, a brief window um, shortly after the spring game, that week after the spring game, and then the first uh, live period is at the end of April. And so you know they're not necessarily in a rush to go see uh, traditional four-year high school recruits right now but with those transfer markets you know I mean you can you can start making some headway now especially uh, with guys that are in the transfer portal uh, that you know are, are ready to move on so 
um, that's where I would expect him um, and Matt Abdelmasi to basically hit this week. Um, obviously, they have some work to do here with their current roster and assembling a coaching staff, but um, recruiting never sleeps, as we all know, and they are well on their way to uh, getting uh, as much of a kickstart on that as possible. All right, when we come back, we are going to shift over to football. Generally, this is a football-driven show in the spring. We've obviously been very basketball-heavy. Uh, we're going to discuss what we've learned in spring practice here as we are um, nearly a week away from Nebraska's red-white spring game. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, we've made improvements everywhere. I think probably the most noticeable improvements have been on defense, just watching the guys run around, uh, make plays. That's year two stuff. Uh, instead of wondering if they're doing the right thing and being hesitant, they know what they're doing and they're going full speed and running to the football. And it makes a big difference. That being said, we had a competition day today and the offense won today. Uh, so it was great to see uh, kind of a response from the offensive side of the ball because defense has been getting the better of it all spring. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett. We've talked lots of basketball. Scott Frost even was asked about Fred Hoiberg. Um, first question out of the gates here following Wednesday's practice. Uh, but I promise we're going to talk some spring practice. And out of the gates, Nate, uh, some some news come came out of Wednesday's practice. And we're going to talk recruiting and junior day wrap-up later in the show. But I wanted to squeeze this into our segment here. Nebraska lands a commitment from Xavier Betts, the number one player in the state of Nebraska, 2020 wide receiver for Rivals 100 player from Bellevue West. Um, not a surprise he picked Nebraska. I, I think just the timing of how and when it went down may be the biggest shocker that came out of this. Yeah, I mean, he had been saying that he was going to be waiting, you know, all the way maybe even closer to signing day before he made a decision. And, you know, I always felt like it wasn't a matter of where he might commit, but uh, when. Um, you know, I, I think that he, he was being recruited by an awful lot of schools. Um, and, and I think Minnesota was actually, you know, recruiting him as hard as anybody. And I know they were – he told me when, I, when we went through on the in-state tour, he said that Minnesota just blows his phone up constantly. And, and he's always, you know, talking with uh, P.J. Fleck and, and the recruiters there and everything. So – um, I know, and when that story came out, a lot of Husker fans were like, oh, geez, you know, are we really going to, are we in danger of losing an in-state guy to, <laughs> to Minnesota? Uh, but I think it was just a matter of, of time. Uh, but I didn't think it was going to happen this soon. And, you know, he, he took an unexpected, unofficial visit uh, to Wednesday's practice and, and kind of pulled the trigger from there. But I think this is good because now you have him in the boat. Now you can, you can help kind of guide him because uh, he does have some academic work to do. Uh, but Nebraska can And maybe kinda, that was a sell. And, and I, I, I promise you that was at least part of the reason why. We can help you yep. finish this semester out, yep. summer school, and maybe in the fall and the spring next year. Yep, here's the plan. We'll put it. We'll put together the plan, uh, what you need to do, and and uh, and we'll make sure that it works. But uh, and Bellevue West proved to Jalen Bradley. Um, they gave them a plan years back with yep. Jalen, and they got him eligible as well. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but bottom line is, I mean, he's this is a big time pickup from Nebraska. He's six three, hundred ninety pounds. He's going to come in and you know automatically be one of the bigger wideouts in the room. Uh, but he's just a. I mean, he's kind of a genetic freak when you when you look at his size and his ability. Uh, I mean, he can run and can really run, and so um, you know he's going to be. It's a pretty exciting prospect to have, and it kind of it kind of gets the ball rolling. You know, you got Nash Hutmacher coming in uh, this weekend for an official I think visit. Commit pretty quick. Uh, yeah, you've got and then you got the spring game, and then of course camp season. So I think 
you know, after Logan Smothers committed last July, it had been pretty quiet on the 2020 front until Betts, and, and he could be the guy that gets things rolling. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. Let's talk spring practice, guys, now. And and honestly, with the Hoiberg news that have gone on, um, really no drama as far as who the starting quarterback's going to be. Um, there just hasn't been a lot of buildup or buzz about what's coming out of practice, and they, they've kept a tight lid on it, I, I, I think, too. I mean, we haven't really heard a lot of buzz um, you know, from scrimmages and, and, and whatnot. But I think one of the biggest takeaways I have is the, the defense seems to have made a lot of strides this spring. I know you heard Scott Frost say that offense got the best of them um, on Wednesday's practice. But I think in general, you're seeing this defense with continuity, Robin, make a big jump this spring. Well, you look at some of the guys, especially like in the secondary, uh, that really have had a different position coach every single year. And just the fact that you have almost the same coaching staff for a second year, uh, I think that explains a lot as to why uh, they seem to be hitting the ground running uh, a lot more so than they have in any other year before this. And um, there's a lot to be said for continuity and also with how these coaches are kind of telling their message and, uh, you know, teaching what they want to have done. And they're doing it in a way that I think these players are really recepting to. Uh, and, you know, they're they're translating it onto the field. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of guys returning. You know, they, they lost some players, you know, especially at safety, but by and large, uh, they returned a good portion of their starting defense and even some depth behind that to where there's a level of comfort here that is as good as it's been in a long time. And uh, I think that's probably where a lot of those reports are coming from. Um, You know, in in spring, generally, you would expect the defense to do pretty well. Things are kind of pared down. Um, You know, you're not necessarily going against the number one offense all the time, but um, it's definitely encouraging that, you know, some of those question marks, whether it be the secondary, their defensive line, or even some of the linebacker positions, uh, all seem to be performing at a level that um, is at least meeting expectations or in some cases exceeding them. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk uh, spring practice discussion points and and Nate you're seeing this defensive line I still believe this will be one of the surprise units of the team this year Um, just what the gains we've seen guys make across the board the addition of Darian Daniels Damian Daniels as we know is getting in better shape DeAndre Thomas up to 300 pounds I mean you went down to Oklahoma you saw him in high school and he was playing what 260 ish yeah 260 and that may have even been kind of giving him a you know five pounds or so but yeah uh he's he's up to 300 pounds and uh, one thing that coach Tuioti the new defensive line coach has said basically since he got to Nebraska is we have to stop the run and I think um you know he mentioned actually on Wednesday that that uh, having DeAndre Thomas at 300 pounds gives them um you know more of a run stopper there and and so he's going to really be an asset there along the defensive line but uh, really, I mean, that's Ryan Held on Monday said that that's probably the position group that has made the the biggest strides, uh, you know, compared to last season. And so um, he said they're they're getting to the they're collapsing the pocket in, in the past game. They're they're stout against the run, and so uh, you know that could be uh, good news for the defense going forward because that was a you know the side of the football that needed to to take another step forward. Yeah, so I think that you know what we're really going to look for here over the next week, week or so, especially on into the spring game, is uh, you know finally getting to see how all these reports uh, kind of translate uh, into some live game situations. You know, you get you take all these spring reports with a grain of salt, usually always, but especially so 
uh, with the limited amount of access that we've seen. The fact that, you know, we, we've seen, what, a grand total of 90 minutes of yeah. practices, and a lot of those are the very beginning portions of practices where they're not doing much of anything. So we're relying a lot on coach reports, player reports, about kind of where this team is. And so, um, you know, one of the things that earlier this week Troy Walters talked about was um, he's already talked, at, sat down and talked to his guys that, listen, in, in a couple of weeks, you're going to be out there in front of 90,000 people and it is going to be a game. You know, whether you call it a scrimmage or whatever, it is a game environment. And that is the real test, I think, for a lot of these guys of, you know, how all these glowing reports we've been hearing about all spring Will they translate when, when things are for real, even if it is just a simulated game? The, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of elements that you cannot simulate. And so how that kind of translates uh, to a quote-unquote game situation, I think is going to be the most telling part of this whole whole spring. Yeah, and it will be interesting, guys. We'll learn next week what how will they end up formatting the spring game. I assume split squads. They've always gone that way. Um, I know everyone wants that ones versus one matchup, but – they haven't really said there's depth charts. They don't. I don't think the staff wants to put out the notion that they have established yeah. starters. Frost said they're not going to make a depth chart until the week before the first game. So yeah, I don't think you can say ones on ones or or whatnot. I think you'll see kind of equally split squads. Is my guess. Yeah, I think that's how it's going to be. Um, and I don't know if they'll. Did they do a draft last year? I don't. Know. I don't know. They've done so many different yeah, ways. I, it's hard to, it's hard keep, to keep track. track yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty evenly matched. I, I hope between. they do traditional scoring, though. God, I hate when they, like, yeah. do, yeah, like – The defense gets points for, like, a turnover or something like that. Yeah. Like Patrick O'Brien, like, remember that year he lost the spring game? Yeah. Like, all he had to do was throw the ball away. On a walk-off interception yeah. by – Like, if he throws the ball away, they win. <laughs> That's so stupid. And, yeah. and, he, yeah. he, and I can still remember Keyshawn Sr. was on the field after that game, like – counseling junior and o'brien and it's just yeah just play a regular football just play football yeah just i think that's what the fans want to see they want this thing to be as close to real football as you can oh four point play by the defense yeah and and don't mix in like offensive linemen catching punch punts in between like the second third alabama had a media catching punts one year in their spring game oh god yeah (laughs) there'd be a lot of look at me guys that want to do that yeah and they'd probably get hit in the face with the football too so it might be worth watching. It might actually, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we could push that to Scott. Boy, maybe. the Red Sea Scrolls would love to see one of us doing that, but yeah, we I would probably take one off the face. Sipple could our boy Sipple could probably catch one. Catching a punt is so hard. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not. It not hurts. Easy. It comes at you hard. Yeah, it's like one of the most difficult things that people don't think is difficult. No, I mean the way the ball spins, and I mean left-footed punters, right-footed punters, yeah, especially coming off of a collegiate. Yeah, like this a, is not like <laughs> like a power five punter. Yeah, this it's not you're not catching a punt from from your buddy, and uh, you know <laughs> not in the backyard. In the backyard. This is holding a beer with one hand yeah. and trying to catch a punt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, when we come back, Alec Rome will join us in studio here as we'll take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening to the Husker Line Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm proud of the fact that we had nine guys that played in the NBA uh, on those five years we were there. And the ones that didn't play in the NBA, a lot of those guys are making uh, great livings playing overseas at a high level. Uh, you know, so I think once we establish uh, the way we want to play, and again, you get the recruits on campus and they see these beautiful facilities, we're going to have a chance. We're going to have a chance with any kid that walks in here. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus. Joined in the studio now by Alec Rome, as you just heard from Fred Hoiberg, talking about the NBA success they had. 
at Iowa State. And before we get to the mailbag, Robin, that's almost eye-opening when he – I mean, he was there, what, five years, mm-hmm. and he put nine guys in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You've covered Nebraska basketball over 10 years. How many guys have you covered that have played an NBA, in an NBA game? Uh, Andrew White did. A regular season NBA yeah. game? Yeah. Yeah. Not Vegas Summer League stuff Andrew here. White. He's That's played it. in a game. Yep. Like actually, he got called up by the Hawks like towards the end of last season. And and he, he did all right. left Nebraska. Yeah, so, I mean, does he even count? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's that's it. Tramp Petaway got close, but never made, never played a regular season I mean, think game. about it. If I told you in the next five years, you're going to have nine guys to cover that play. I mean, I mean that, it, is, that is the goal. That's the vision. That's why you're paying a dude – three and a half million dollars a year to come do it so um yeah we'll we'll see how how quickly that happens but uh fred hoiberg is a dude that is proven to develop nba talent very very quickly all right let's get to the mailbag mr rome what do you have well we have no shortage of hoiberg questions but first when can nebraska get nash huttmacher to decide on them will it be on april 6th or after he takes all his visits you know He says that he's planning on making a decision in June. He seems pretty set on waiting until June uh, to go ahead and make and you know make that decision. He's taking the official visit to Nebraska this weekend, um, and then he says he's going to be taking an official to Wisconsin and maybe a trip out to Oregon. Although he didn't, he wasn't sure if that's going to be an official or unofficial. Uh, basically, it is, I, I see this as a Nebraska-Wisconsin battle right now for him and. Um, and I think the Huskers have a commanding lead, and you know I wouldn't be surprised if he if he made a decision shortly after taking the Wisconsin trip. But uh, last time I talked with him, he was pretty uh, he was pretty set on at least taking trips to Lincoln and Madison before uh, deciding. What do you got next, there, Mr. Rome? Is a one million dollar budget enough for Hoiberg's assistant coaches, and how does it compare to other top programs? Well, I broke down the numbers in an article this week, and it's right up at the top of the Big Ten. I mean, Ohio State is the highest at 1.02, and then Michigan is 1.005, I think, or Michigan State. Um, so, God, if I'm Bill Moose, I'm like, let's just make it 1.006 just to say we have the highest <laughs> yeah. in the Big Ten at this point. Um, but looking at the salaries in the conference, there's not an assistant basketball coach that makes um, over 390,000 range. There's not even a guy that makes 400. So, um, you put it in perspective with football, pretty much all the assistants make 400 to 800 right now at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So it, they can get pretty, pretty creative with three for a million. Yeah, it is more than enough, uh, as Sean just laid out. Uh, and it's about 225-ish thousand dollars more uh, than what Tim Miles' staff was making. So uh, a pretty dramatic increase. I mean, that's essentially a full-time coaching salary right there that you have as additional income to a staff that was already decently paid. You know, they were kind of in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten already. Uh, now you're talking about throwing a lot of money that is going to make those two remaining staff spots very appealing to some very strong candidates. And so, I mean, that that's kind of the next big key here. Obviously, they have some roster stuff to figure out, but Assembling that coaching staff and getting the right people on board uh, is probably right up there as job number one for Hoiberg right now. Keeping it rolling, what are the chances Hoiberg will be able to fill the holes on the roster and have a successful first year with a winning record? Winning record, I think, is attainable. Um, you know, obviously, the, the Big Ten being what it is in 20 conference games, that makes that road a lot more difficult. Uh, but Are they in the Gavit next year? I believe so. I don't know if that's been decided um, it, because – yeah, it's two out. Of, it's two out of three years. Yeah, so they played it two years in a row, so they might not be. So they're out of the gavit. They have Creighton. Yeah, they have Creighton, and they have the Big Ten ACC Challenge. 
So they'll get an Orange Bowl opponent from the yeah, 80s. And I guarantee you they'll probably <laughs> they'll probably do one of those uh, neutral site tournaments, those little mini tournaments that they did, like the one in Kansas City. That's the new norm because uh, there's so much benefit with the neutral site impact that teams all want to do that to beef up their schedules without having to play a true road game. So I would count on something to, like that. Smaller scale. Yeah, like a little weekend four-team you know, to tournament like that. Some, some more in like Charleston, South yeah. Carolina. Or <laughs> so anyway, I would imagine that other than that, their non-conference schedule is probably going to be reasonable. I mean, they're not going to go out of their way, obviously, to, to make things any more difficult just because you need success to build confidence. And um, But with their track record of bringing in you know elite-level talent that is going to make an immediate impact, uh, I wouldn't put it past them to, to at least be a lot better than some people think they might be given the roster status right now. And if they can keep Isaiah Roby, that changes a whole bunch. If they can keep Gervais Green, that changes a whole bunch. And I think that the the talent right now, if it all stays in place, even after losing Thomas Allen, uh, is better and could be very competitive in the Big Ten. So you hadn't heard on tournaments that Miles was trying to schedule? For, I mean, were they doing any scheduling for no. that kind of stuff? That stuff usually is pretty short Reasons. notice yeah so the, it would probably go into the summer before anything still waiting for the maui invitational yeah. call you're telling me <laughs> all right what do you have next football recruits often attend a husker basketball game during their campus visit do you expect excitement for coach hoiberg's team to help coach frost turn more recruits into commits yeah i would assume so nate yeah, I mean, it's not going to hurt. Um, and, and I think a lot of it has to do not just with who the head coach is of the basketball team, but, um, you know, how they're playing and, and more importantly, you know, the, the fans. You know, what's the environment like? Uh, because the biggest one of the biggest sells when you take recruits to a basketball game is say, okay, um, this is what it's like for a basketball game. And there's 15,000 people here. Imagine what it's like in Memorial Stadium with 92,000 people cheering for you. And so um, I think if, you know, if Hoiberg mania is going strong when they've got football recruits on campus, uh, that's, it will help. Yeah, and I think just the athletic department, you know, when every sport is strong, it makes everyone better. And you know, Frost kind of talked about that uh, on Wednesday. You know, he said that, you know, when, when things are rolling, that's why he and his st- entire staff came to Hoiberg's press conference. Um, when, when everybody's up and everybody's succeeding, that just helps the entire athletic department across the board. So, uh, I mean, they took advantage of it when Tim Miles was here. I mean, they showcased Pinnacle Bank Arena and had big visitor weekends with a lot of top prospects of watching basketball games. So I would expect that to continue, if not more so, with Hoiberg. And as Bill Moose once said, it was this summer at Big Ten Media Days, uh, when football wins, all boats rise, in my best Bill <laughs> Moose impersonation. And, and he's not that far off. I, I believe that's the case. What yeah. do you have next? Um, let's flip to baseball for a second. The group has improved a bit over the last month. What are their chances of making a deep run in the Big Ten tournament? tournament and getting a regional bit well i always just from following nebraska baseball from afar i mean i i don't go cover the games in the press box um you know like a lot of guys do but it starts with the pitching to me and the really good nebraska baseball program teams you can name their rotation their friday saturday sunday and i feel like they're at that point right now uh with waldron at is it eddins and who's their Uh, sunday guy let's see oh is it it's not Fisher's Fisher Saturday. I think Fisher Saturday. And Reese Eddins. And Reese Eddins. They might be Sunday. But, yeah, I, I feel like they've got the established rotation. And, and that's where good Nebraska baseball teams start. When you have three pitchers that give you seven innings on a weekend series game, and we've seen that. Um, Perry I, just gave him seven innings against Kansas State. No problem. I mean, Kansas State could not even get on base. I mean, in the glory years of Nebraska baseball, you had guys like Tony Watson and – 
um, Johnny Dorn pitching midweek games their freshman years. And, you know, Perry seems like that kind of yeah. guy. I mean, a stud freshman from Millard South. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about the direction. It's unfortunate they couldn't get two out of three at Minnesota this weekend. I mean, they had such an opportunity Friday to get the win, and then obviously Sunday afternoon in game two, um, they let that one slip. So yeah, they've started really well in a lot of their games, but it just so happens that down the stretch, like you'll have guys, especially Altavia has been empty a lot. He, I think, Kamchik went 0 for 5, Altavia went 0 for 2. Like a couple of the like core guys are struggling a little bit right now in this middle stretch. But you still have, you know, Jackson Hallmark, who was a stud last night. He ran into the wall, made a catch, and then made an 8 3 double play. So. Mojo Haggy, by the way, Nate and Robin, has he been here about 10 years now? And it feels like Mojo <laughs> Haggy has played baseball in Nebraska forever. Yeah, I think I covered him when I was at the Daily Nebraska in the early 2000s with, with the job of <laughs> he played Johnny with my, Dorn. He played with my old roommate, Justin Seeley, and, and yeah. Will Bolton, those guys. All right, what's the final question? What do you got left? Um, is your bracket still worth looking at in the month of April? And also, who wins it all? Michigan State, Texas Tech, Auburn, or Virginia? I've got one team in the final four, and that's Virginia. So mm -hmm. it's not – I mean, I'm, I'm in the middle of my pool. Um, nothing great. I was like every every other stiff that picked Duke. Mm -hmm. My heart wanted to go Michigan State, but my brain told me Duke. And I think <laughs> a lot of people were like that. But if there's anything we learned, Robert, about this final four, I mean, it's a blue-collar, lunch-pail group of teams. I mean, guys with veteran – Defense. Defensive-minded players. And – it's not always about the best one and dones, as we know about college basketball. It's about the teams, and, and all these guys in the Final Four uh, fit that category. Yeah, honestly, you could say that those are four of the best defensive teams in all of college basketball. And so, yeah, you can have all the shiny you know, lottery picks that are averaging 20 points a game, but if you can't play elite-level defense, tournaments will expose you. And, man, I remember watching Texas Tech back in November. Everyone was mad at you when you said that, too. Whoa. I remember I was like, wow, they, they have every piece. They have veteran guards that aren't flustered by anything. They have Jarrett Culver, who's a lottery pick. Uh, they have Tariq Owens, who's a seven-foot shot blocker, who's arms go about 10 feet. Uh, and so, I mean, like every component you wanted in a elite team – Texas Tech had it, and, man, they, they whipped Nebraska. And a lot of people said that was more a reflection of Nebraska. No, that was Texas Tech being that good. And the same thing with Michigan State, which is crazy because Nebraska actually played them well <laughs> twice. Uh, Should have beaten them in Lincoln. Uh, but, you know, they have, they have the point guard in Cassius Winston who does everything for them. He's the best player in college basketball, in my opinion, uh, just because of the value that he has to the team. But they, they play defense. I mean, they're tough in the middle. Uh, they push the pace, and they create offense through defense. Uh, and then Virginia with Tony Bennett, obviously, uh, they, they do it all. And then Auburn is Auburn. So wrapping it up, I say that Virginia wins it. I got Michigan State. Who do you got, Nate? I'll go Michigan State. Alec? I've also got Michigan State, and I'm fifth in my bracket pool. I was, like, way Dang. down towards the bottom, then Michigan State and Texas Tech. I got those two right. So. I like how you worked a baseball question in for yourself, and then you you wanted to brag about your bracket. Hey, you know, you know, I I thought this was going to be my last time on the on the show because we didn't have any more dates set up. So I was like, we got to go out with a bang here. Good no. questions. <laughs> no. All right. No, well, back. hey, thank you, Alec. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with some more recruiting discussion with Nate Klaus. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. What about a football facility? I know there's a lot of talk out there. It's on, it's on uh, the conversation list. Uh, I think down the road that that's a possibility. It's, I don't think it's an immediate, urgent need, but uh, I'm always trying to look five or ten years down the road and honestly believe within five years 
it would be beneficial to have something like that. Just to compete uh, in, in, the, uh, in the conference for the top talent. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we wrap up here with recruiting. And I wanted to start on this, Nate, first. I, I thought it was interesting. A lot of talk for the last few months about a new football facility potentially being announced. And um, you had Bill Moose kind of slow that down a little bit after the press conference. But I've had multiple people even contact me after this quote saying, you know, big booster circles have said, no, this is happening What's going on here? Do you think there's some politicking or... It's got to be politics. There's stuff going on because, I don't know, there's going to be a golf facility built soon. Bill Moose told me that yesterday or Tuesday, that a $15 million practice facility on Innovation Campus will be built. Um, people on the board joke, it's the, the Matt Davis and Finders fee for Fred Hoiberg, uh, for Mark Hankins, the former roommate of Fred Hoiberg at Iowa yeah. State. Um, but... It will be interesting, this football facility, because I've just heard too much that leads me to believe this is going to be announced sooner rather than later. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of smoke surrounding this deal. And um, and quite frankly, I think it does need to be announced sooner rather than later. I don't, I don't think there's a better time to do it than here within the next calendar year. I mean, you've got... You've got the the two as far as athletics go, the two biggest you know faces of your your whole AD. There, people hired. are lining up to give money. Yeah, I mean, this is there's no better time than to do it right now. There's so much optimism surrounding football and basketball now. Um, obviously, you know the other sports like volleyball and and, uh, and baseball are doing well, uh, and on down the list. I, I just think that right now is the time to strike. And when you look at where Nebraska's at, yeah, their facilities aren't bad. I mean, they they what they have is nice. But when you look at five um, years from now, like, well, yeah, especially five years from now, um, I mean, they're going to be it's going to be pretty outdated. And uh, and I mean, really, right now it's outdated. You've got just in the Big Ten West. I mean, we're talking about Nebraska. You when you look at Nebraska, you're ta- you're thinking you know blue blood, top five, top ten program of all time uh, in terms of all time wins and and whatnot. all Americans yeah, history, tradi- the tradition, on and on and on. Uh, but they don't even have top five facilities in the Big Ten West. I think the only the – They're better than Wisconsin, maybe? Yeah, was better than Wisconsin. Um, Illinois is building like 187,000 – or 187 million. Yeah, Iowa just finished theirs. I mean, every almost everyone except – Northwestern, Purdue. Everyone in, in the Big Ten West alone has newer facilities than you do, except for Wisconsin and um, in, in Illinois. Like I said, they're, they're uh, they've already broken ground on their new deal. So – um, I mean, it doesn't correlate. You, I think you have to have if you if you want to consider yourself a, a top ten, top five program. I think you need to have top ten, top five facilities in the country, and and it helps everybody. It's not just isn't just football only. I think if you moved out of uh, North Stadium, I mean, that frees up so much more room and and to update the training table, you know, the the academic center, life skills, so on and so forth. That helps all the athletes. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. Let's talk Junior Day down, Nate. There were a number of visitors, over 60 on campus this past Saturday. Um, a pretty big group of guys with offers. What were some of your big takeaways of the group that showed up for Junior Day? Well, I, I mean, it went very well. And you mentioned the the, the size of the, the group. I mean, this is the biggest Junior Day that this staff has ever had. And, and honestly, I, I think it's one of the larger Junior Days that – that I can remember period um, you know they, they had 
over 60 kids between the the 2020 2021 class there and you had about 10 guys that had offers and uh, I mean most of the the unofficial visitors that that didn't have offers are regional guys in-state players or uh, you know guys from Iowa you know in the region uh, but the offer guys you had you had four-star Quandarius Robinson out of Alabama you had Johnny Wilson out of Kansas City but you had Mr. Williams who's a linebacker out of uh, LA uh, Paula Vipulu who's a, an offensive lineman from Houston um, you know you, you had uh, St. Louis kids there you had kids from all over the place that came in for your junior day and and they all got personal attention. And that's something that if there was ever a complaint about a visit that I've had from a recruit in the past, it was that, yeah, I went to junior day. It was cool, but I no one talked to me. Yeah, I didn't really get any <laughs> attention. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to talk with any coaches. Uh, but this staff somehow, some way is, it always finds a, a way to put a personal touch on the visit. And in every kid, whether it was, you know, Quandarius Robinson or, um, you know, small kid from small town Nebraska, the potential walk-on candidate, uh, everyone got to meet with Scott Frost and, and had, you know, at least a, a small conversation one-on-one with him. Um, and, and I think that's that's one thing that stands out to me. Um, you know, and all the kids, you know, kind of same old story. A lot of these guys from that came from far away, you know, were blown away by what Lincoln, Nebraska is like and what the facilities are like. And, just the whole atmosphere of Lincoln. They, they were expecting it to be surrounded by cornfields, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of energy around the program right now, and they love seeing that in the meeting rooms and in that practice. Nate, you may, there's some junior college guys here as well, yeah. um, and that always gets my interest because you, know, you don't bring a Juco guy in unless you're interested in those guys. And Brian George, a 2020 corner um, out of Highland Community College, and then Jaquim Green, a 2019 that's currently committed to South Carolina, unsigned, kind of a Desmond Bland type yeah. situation, four-star. One of the top Juco defensive linemen in the country was here. Now, you kind of played phone tag or text tag, whatever you yeah. call it, with these two kids. And I've done the same with two of their coaches. So I've been able to piece together. <laughs> There's something going There's on. There's something going on there. And this is, I mean, honestly, it reminds you a lot of last year when you had Jeff Sims bring up the that group from Garden City. And and just so happened that one of them was Diedrich Mills, and Diedrich Mills ended up signing with Nebraska. So um, you're right. The, these two guys from Highland Community College, Brian George is the, the 2020 corner that they've offered. But Jakeem Green, um, much like Desmond Bland, is committed to South Carolina but never signed. He's a four-star. He's 6'4", 305-pound defensive lineman. I think he could play inside or uh, defensive end, um, given how athletic he is. So uh, he's essentially on the market. He's still a free agent, even though he's committed. Uh, he's, he's taking visits. And, uh, you know, this is a deal where I think, um, you know, Nebraska's offered, and if he committed, uh, he'd be here in, in fall, you know, for fall camp, assuming that he's all squared away academically. But I don't see why Nebraska would offer him if they didn't think there was a pretty good chance that he was going to uh, graduate in May. Nate, a number of in-state guys uh, came as well, um, some without offers. But I, I think, you know, you look at uh, Drew Christo, a 2021 mm-hmm. Um, out of Elkhorn, son of Monte Cristo, former Husker walk-on quarterback. Um, you got Norlin Go- Nolan Gorsica from Ron Colley. I mean, some of these in-state guys, I think, got their names more on the radar with the staff as well. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I think you know, Drew Cristo is one of those kids that really st- stands out to me. I absolutely love his film. 
Um, and he's a great kid too. I mean, he's super smart, um, you know, and, and kind of, kind of checks all the boxes for me. I would be shocked if he didn't end up earning an offer from Nebraska, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, you mentioned Gorsica too. I mean, another 2021 kid, a big offensive lineman from Ron Colley. Um, you first know, time the staff could see this guy. Yep. I mean, they heard about him, but I think when they saw him, all my reports are that they yeah. were like, wow, this they're is a guy like, we got to watch. They're like, okay, yeah. Now, yeah, they, they're, he's definitely more than just on the radar now. He's somebody that they're going to be going after. Um, you know, and, and Isaac Zadiska, I mean, that's another 2021 kid that I, that I think they're, um, you know, they're liking more and more the more he gets on campus. And of course, Teddy Prohaska uh, already has the offer, um, you know, and all those guys in that 2021 one class um, you know are getting quite a bit of attention so uh, I think that's going to be a class that's very similar to what we saw in the 2019 class that Nebraska just signed uh, this past and I think Ty Han Nate that's a name yeah for 2020 that's a name to to really keep an eye on Um, I mean he's he's he looks the part and and he's got the time he's got the track times I mean anytime you're recruiting an eight-man guy I think it can be hard to evaluate him because you know what kind of competition is he playing against and and of course yeah this guy if if he is a D1 athlete, he should be torching eight-man competition. Uh, but then you see the track times, and you, you get him on campus, you verify his size. I mean, he's a legit 6'1", 190 pounds, and, I mean, he put together really, really well. He might well. be the Nebraska High School Athlete of the Year. Yeah, I mean, well, he he's could... going for – I mean, he won state title in football. He won state title in basketball, and now he's looking to, to take home some golds at the state track meet. And they could win the team title, I would assume. Then, if he wins three or four golds – Yeah, he could do – so he could do the, the 100, the 200 – I think he high jumps and long jumps for him too. It's probably between him, for like your World Herald Journal Star Athlete of the Year. I would say him, James Burks. Yeah. Um, you know, those are two of the leading candidates. I mean, there's a number of great athletes in this state on the boys' side, but um, I would say he's going to be up there with like a James Burke or. Yeah, it's so, going to be hard. I think it's going to be hard not to give to Ty Han if he goes and takes home, you know, two or three gold medals at the state track meet this year. Well, it's going to be a busy, busy week coming up. Red White Spring Game, a number of more official visitors coming in. Nash Hutmacher will also be in Lincoln this weekend as well uh, for his official visit, the the prize target out of Chamberlain, South Dakota. So make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com. We'll have you up to date with all the latest from spring practice on the Fred Hoiberg front and also Husker baseball. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.